Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, November 1st. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, gold spent most of the week treading water below $1,500, but it pushed above that level on Thursday after the Fed did exactly what everybody thought it would do. It cut rates again. Gold fell to a one-week low on Tuesday because everybody was gung-ho about the mythical Phase 1 trade agreement, which, depending on the minute you tune into the news cycle, is either a done deal or completely stalled. Peter Schiff talked about it when he appeared on RT Boom Bust this week. He was asked, if the Phase 1 deal is this hard to nail down, how bad will Phase 2 be? Peter said he didn't even think there would be a Phase 2. He said, I think Phase 1 is simply a way for Trump to save face and to surrender in the trade war, but still claim victory. I'll be honest, doesn't seem like a bad take. I'll just say this, I'm pretty sure you're going to see the markets yo-yo over the trade war for many months to come. I wouldn't put much stock into anything that is said until you see signatures on an actual agreement that you can read. At any rate, gold pushed back above $1,500 in the aftermath of Fed rate cut 3.0. We're trading at about $1,511 per ounce as I record this podcast, and silver's back over the $18 mark. So yeah, Powell and company cut rates again. Of course, this cut was already pretty well baked into the markets. In fact, gold initially sold off on the news. It was a little buy the rumor, sell the fact. But the elemental rebounded as the dollar weakened and bond yields fell on Thursday. Now, this is exactly the effect the central bankers want, falling interest rates. That's what this is all about. Keeping interest rates artificially low so people can keep borrowing, so the debt bubbles and the corresponding asset bubbles stay inflated. Anyway, the 25 basis point rate cut was totally expected. The only mystery was what kind of hints would the Fed give about the future. Now, the spin ended up being that rate cuts are over, at least for now. On pause is the phrase I heard thrown around a lot. This was mostly based on a change in the language of the forward guidance statement released by the FOMC. The Fed removed a phrase saying it was committed to act as appropriate to sustain the expansion from that uh, statement. So we're no longer acting as appropriate. I guess that means we're acting inappropriately. (laughs) I guess we just dug a nugget of truth out of this word salad. Anyway, this was widely viewed as a more hawkish stance. The Fed replaced that language instead saying, the committee will continue to monitor the implications of incoming information for the economic outlook as it assesses the appropriate path for the target range for the federal funds rate. And this means what? If you really parse out these words, it doesn't mean a damn thing. No matter what the Fed does next, you can point back to this language and say, yep, that's what they said. Now, granted, Powell was a little bit more emphatic about a rate cut pause during his press conference, saying the FOMC, quote, sees the current stance of monetary policy as likely to remain appropriate. Now, let's pause for a moment here and consider where we were and where we are now. This was rate cut 3.0 in 2019. The Fed has trimmed 75 basis points off the interest rate. We are now down to 1.5%. This time last year, the Fed was hiking. We were in the midst of interest rate normalization. I'm going to let you in on a little secret here. 1.5% ain't normal. But this time last year, we were pushing toward normal. In fact, the Fed was saying it was going to hike through 2019, maybe three more hikes. We were also in the midst of quantitative tightening. The Fed was shrinking its balance sheet. In fact, this operation was on autopilot. 
Then the stock market tanked. The Fed raised rates one more time in December. At that time, Peter said they were done. And they were. We had the Powell pause, and then we went into rate-cutting mode. On top of that, we're now back to QE. Now, Powell keeps insisting this isn't QE. But it's QE. In fact, he went out of his way during his press conference to tell us again that this program is different. He tried to draw a distinction between QE and today's operations by pointing out that the central bank is buying shorter-term bonds this time around, while it bought longer-term debt during QE. Now, if the Fed is actually going to let those bonds roll off the books when they mature, the fact that they are short-term would actually matter. But they're not. That's not what's going to happen. The Fed is going to keep rolling these bonds over as they mature. They have told us this operation is intended to expand the balance sheet. So what in the heck difference does it make whether they're short-term or long-term bonds? The effect is exactly the same. As Peter put it, it's a distinction without a difference. This is nothing but the central bank monetizing government debt. When the Fed did QE after the 2008 crash, what was the point? It was to push interest rates artificially low. And why is the Fed doing billions in repo operations every night and growing its balance sheet now? To keep interest rates artificially low. Basically, what I'm saying is Powell is full of crap. The Fed is expanding its balance sheet through a treasury buying program. You can call it painting stripes on a unicorn if you want to. It's still QE. So we have rate cut 3.0, we have QE, and we have the Fed telling us that rate cuts are done for now. Do you really believe this? Because I don't believe this. They may not hike in December, but I don't think it's over. The air is coming out of the bubble and they have to try to keep it blown up. I think we'll see more cuts sooner rather than later. Powell said something else during the presser that's pretty interesting. Basically, he told us that the Fed is going to let inflation run. Now, keep in mind, CPI is finally above the mythical 2% target. Powell said so in the press conference. Think about this for a second. We have 2% inflation, at least the way the government measures it, and the Fed just cut rates to 1.5%. That means, in effect, we have real negative interest rates. This is extremely accommodative monetary policy. But the economy is great, right? Trump says it's the greatest economy in American history. He seriously said that in a tweet this week. The greatest in American history. I can't for the life of me figure out what he's basing this on. GDP growth came out this week and it was 1.9%. If you take Obama's best two years, they were better than what we had as far as economic growth goes in the first two years of Trump. That's not greatest in history territory. But Trump keeps saying it and a lot of people believe it. Believe me, a lot of people believe it. They tell me so on Facebook. Now, Powell doesn't give us the hyperbole that Trump does, but he does keep saying that the economy is good. It's doing fine. Plugging right along. So here's the $64,000 question. Why in the hell do we need super accommodative monetary policy when the economy is good? None of this makes any sense whatsoever. If you look at the meaning of the actual words coming out of these people's mouths, it's just a tangled mishmash of BS. But I, I digress. I was talking about inflation. We have CPI at the 2.2% uh, target. Now, during his presser, Powell said he would need to see a big jump in inflation before he would consider rate hikes. He said, quote, we are not thinking about raising rates right now. I think we would need to see a really significant move up in inflation that is persistent before we would consider raising rates to address inflation. Whoa, what does this mean? What is a really significant move up? 3%, 4%, and 
And what does Powell mean by persistent? Six months? A year? Peter talked about this in his podcast. The central bank has always been wary of letting the inflation genie out of the bottle. Why? Because it's really hard to get her back in. Think back to the 1980s. Paul Volcker had to raise rates to around 20% to get inflation back into the bottle. Can you imagine that in this debt-riddled, over-leveraged economy? And yet here we have Powell saying that the Fed is going to let inflation run. I think this is a huge admission. I've talked about before the fact the Fed is going to eventually face a really ugly choice. It's either going to have to crash the markets or tank the dollar. It looks like Powell is going with the tank the dollar option. Now, this is certainly good news for gold. That's part of the reason we're back above $1,500. Inflation is good for gold. And, well, Powell has loosened the lid on the genie's bottle. You know, the Fed is not alone in monetary easing right now. In fact, we're in the midst of a global rate-cutting frenzy. The majority of the world's central banks are on a race to lower rates and inject more easy money into the global economy. Get this. Through October, over 54, a total of 54 central banks in both developed and emerging markets have cut their policy-based interest rates. The Bank of International Settlements tracks the activities of 37 central banks. Of those, around 60% have cut rates in 2019. That's the highest level since the global financial crisis, and we still have two months left to go in this year. In other words, this is the kind of monetary policy you would expect to see during a major global recession. Now, can you imagine what this is going to look like when we're actually in a major global recession? What's this going to do to the price of gold? You know, everybody keeps fixating on the trade war. This central bank stuff isn't as sexy. It doesn't make interesting headlines, but I think it's way more important. Well, if you want more information on how all of this will likely impact your portfolio, the precious metals markets, gold, silver, bonds, stocks, talk to a Shift Gold Precious Metals Specialist today. These guys can give you all of the lowdown, all of the nitty-gritty details. Just call 1-888-GOLD-160. Do it today. Well, that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week over at shiftgold.com news. Also, I encourage you to sign up for our weekly newsletter where we send out the news of the week. Helps you keep up to date with what's going on. And if you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. You'll find links for all this stuff over on the show notes page. Uh, as always... I appreciate you listening to the show. Happy November, and we will talk to you again next week.